When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, good evening, good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And hoping everyone is surviving this sweltering heat wave that's taking over the nation. About an hour ago, haha, my air conditioner broke down. But I'm so dedicated in giving you a brand new episode. I am, shall I say, fanning the flames. So if you happen to hear a huge thud, that's just me falling out from heat exhaustion. Anywho. The title of our episode tonight, I always say of our, the title of the episode tonight is, is it fear or a guilty conscience? Hmm. So without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Murder at Midnight and The Weird circle the first radio play is entitled the 13th floor which was broadcasted sometime in 1946 on murder at midnight following that is the radio play the burial of roger malvin which was first broadcasted on october 22nd 1944 on the weird circle so you all know the drill Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Murder at Midnight. Excuse me, listen to The 13th Floor, followed by The Burial of Roger Malvin. open see if you've got a heart. See, I don't believe you have. And I just want to prove how a body can walk around without one. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in the 13th floor. (laughs) 
And now, Murder at Midnight. Tales of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Winifred Wolfe is The Thirteenth Floor. Hotel corridors scare me late at night. They're too long and too creepy. I'm always afraid the walls like big, flat, plaster hands are going to close in on me. I wish somebody was around. Any... No, 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 not anybody. Anybody might be Nicky. And his hands aren't made out of plaster. They're bone and they're blood. And they want to choke the breath out of me. I just better get down this corridor and close the door behind me. I'll lock it and hide under the covers till I turn on the radio and I hear that switch. It was pulled in a little room. And Nicky's dead, full of hot sparks and his big hands hanging like putty. Then I won't have to be afraid anymore. It's what happened tonight, just just now. It's making the inside of me all curdled and sour and sick. Even if I live a million more days, I won't forget how I came into that lobby. Just like always. I walked over to the desk. Hi, Joe. What's a good word? Here. Got a rent statement from the hotel. No letters. Oh. Uh, certainly it's hot out, isn't it? Sort of muggy and sticky. Think it's gonna rain? Maybe. Uh-huh. You don't like me very much, do you? No, not very much. You'll excuse me, I'm quite busy, Miss Hey, Owen. you're a fresh little punk. I ought to tell the manager. It's a fine way to treat guests who pay their bills. Don't I always pay my rent on time? Sure. Why not? $5,000 lasts a while if you take care of it. Why, you... Hey, wait a second. Hold that elevator. Sweet dreams, Miss Owen. I said hold the elevator a second. What's the idea almost slamming it in my face? Sorry, Miss Owen. Yeah, yeah, I bet you are. Oh, Mr. Talbot. Evening. Good evening. Sure is hot out, wouldn't you say? I was saying to Joe, muggy and sticky. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, just at an awful good movie at the Franklin. Tomorrow night they're having Lana Turner. You like Lana Turner? Very much. Yeah, me too. A lot of women don't because they're jealous of the way she looks. Me, though, I got blonde hair myself. <laughs> I was uh, planning to see you tomorrow night. Uh, do you plan to... Sorry, Miss Owen. I have an appointment tomorrow evening. Oh. Ha, ha, ha. You run the elevator, you fresh punk. That's what you're hired for. Oh, uh, by the way... Me? No, uh, Tommy. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Will you let me in with your pass key? I forgot mine. Yeah, sure thing, Mr. Talbot. The car stopped and I got out. I was glad to get out. Your floor. Yeah, thanks for nothing. That's when it began, right then. The light from the elevator looked like a lot of lemonade, only being poured the wrong way, up instead of down. Gee, I remember thinking that. Funny to remember it now. I looked at my watch. It was two minutes to midnight. I started down the hall. Feeling something's wrong. Don't pay to get the jitters for nothing. Everything looked the same. Nothing was any different. My room was at the end of the hall. I took my key out and shoved it in the lock. I'm open. I kept twisting it and pushing it against it with my knee. Then 
open us and I looked up and realized what was wrong. The number on the door was 1307, not 1407. Huh. I was on the wrong floor. That was it. That rotten little kid. I'll fix him. I was ready to bet he'd done it on purpose. Then... Give Nicky a kiss, baby. Aren't you glad to see me? Nicky. Come on in. I've been waiting for you a long time. I said come in. I'm getting a draft. Nicky, let go of my arm. You're hurting me. <laughs> Sorry, baby. Maybe I don't know my own strength, huh? What do you want? How'd you get in here? One thing at a time. Don't rush me. What'd you lock the door for? I don't like interruptions. You never used to either when you were alone with me. Remember, Kitty? I don't remember nothing. Yeah, I know. you got a memory like a faucet. You turn it off and on, off and on. Wonderful. Take me, for instance. I have the kind of a memory you can't turn off. Keeps running all the time. The longer it runs, the hotter it gets. It's so hot now, Kitty, it'll scald you. Look, uh, Nicky. I am looking. You're still a nice-looking number, you know. I always did like the way your waist curves in, how white your neck is. You didn't come here to tell me how I look. toss your hair over your shoulder like it gets in your way. Go ahead, Kitty. Toss your hair back for Nicky. What are you trying to do, dangle me on a string? You're still a good-looking number. I don't look so hot, though, do I? You think maybe I lost a little weight? Look, uh, Nicky, please. My face looks kind of pasty. That's because you don't get much chance for fresh air, sweating what's left of time away in a death cell. If I scream, the police will come and get you. If you come near me, I'll you scream. You won't scream. No, come one step closer now. You won't you. scream because there's not that much sound left in you. It's all frozen and sticking in your throat like an ice cube. Because you're afraid. You're afraid of me. Try screaming, Kitty. I... Uh, you see? What'd I tell you? Nikki. I can help you. I can hide you here so they won't find you. Then I can help you get away, Nicky. Anywhere you want, I promise. I asked you before to kiss me. You still haven't, you know. No, don't, don't, don't come near me, please. You used to like it. You never used to wait for me to don't. ask you. Nicky, don't. No. Sometimes you used to come over to me without me asking. Well, what's the matter? Do I look as bad as all that? Oh, you afraid I'll get your pretty dress dirty? But you got to give me a chance. I can explain. I know I'm not clean. You know, I crawled for a half a mile in the mud until I couldn't hear the dogs chasing me anymore. If I'd known you were going to act like this, I would have said... You've got to give me a I break. I would have said, Warden, call me a taxi. A nice, clean taxi so I can go see my girl, Kitty Owen. A cheap little squealer sold me down a river for five Gs. Five thousand lousy Give me a little Take your hands off me. Oh, I like to hold your face like this. Such a little face. Hmm. Such big eyes. Big green eyes like a small tiger. <laughs> kitty, kitty. Like a cat. A sly, sneaky cat with long blonde hair. Don't you remember how I used to kiss you like this? Oh, Nicky, let's Nicky. You act like you do remember. You remember too, don't you? You remember how it used to be with us, Nicky? Feel my hair the way it used to go and you like to do it. You said it was soft like silk. Feel my hair, Nicky. You're not mad at me, are you? I said I was sorry. I went crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. I'll help you now, Nicky. Come on, run your, your fingers through my hair, Nicky. <laughs> you old lousy little tramp. 
<laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. You crying, huh? Cat crying crocodile tears. Are you crying because you're sorry for me? You're sorry because sooner or later the cops will catch up with me and drag me back and I'll burn to a crisp in the chair, huh? Are you crying because you know what I'm going to do to you? Remember how it used to be with us, Nicky? I know when I broke out, they'd find me, but I wanted to say goodbye to you first. I wanted to kiss you, see if it still did the same things to me. I'll tell you something, Kitty. You leave me cold. That knife. What are you going to do with that knife? I'm going to cut you open and see if you've got a heart. I don't believe you have. I just want to prove how come a body can walk around without a heart. No, no. Just arms and legs stuck together with nothing to make them run. I'll get you for this, Doctor. Yeah. What are they going to do? Electrocute me first, then take me out and hang me? What's the difference? I'll tell you, Nicky, how it was. Just let me tell you. After you held up that, that jewelry store and the old dame was killed, when they put up the 5,000 bucks, I went crazy. Yeah? Honest, Nicky, I must have been clear out of my head. I've been sorry ever since, but I figured the cops would get you for it anyway, and that I'd be left with nothing. I didn't have a cent. So you didn't wait. You turned me in yourself. But I didn't I... know what I was doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to kill you, Kitty Owen. It won't help any. It'll help me. Stay away from me. The only prayer is Sam. It should be good for a laugh. No, no, please. Kitty, 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 like a cat. No. Yes, Kitty, yes, I'm going to kill you. I'm... I got him. Following me slow like that, he didn't notice when I backed up to the table, picked up the vase. And after I hit him, he didn't know it then either. Just went down looking surprised. I knew he wouldn't be out long, so I bent over and took the key out of his pocket. He moved and made a funny little noise through his lips. Then I stopped breathing altogether. The hall was empty, no one around. I started to run down the narrow little corridor of the 13th floor. I pressed the elevator button, and I waited. Help, that was the only way I could get it. It seemed like hours instead of seconds. Finally, I heard it coming. I felt like I was standing on hot coals. My insides wouldn't stand still. The hand of the clock above the elevator climbed slowly from five to six and to seven... I was going crazy to stay up in there. In seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And my heart exploded. My legs were soft, sticky pieces of dough, hardly able to hold my body up. The elevator had stopped at twelve and then went on to fourteen. Fourteen! Then I remembered that it wasn't going to stop. It couldn't stop. Because in this building, there wasn't any 13th floor. A man from the death house. And the girl who betrayed him, playing cat and mouse on a floor that doesn't exist. The hand of the elevator indicator did not stop at 13. But the hand of the watch on Kitty's wrist have stopped at 12. All ready for... Murder at Midnight. At 
Now, back to Murder at Midnight and the 13th Floor. 13th Floor. Yeah, that's where I was, a floor that didn't exist, so how could I get out? How could I get away? What was I going to do? I didn't understand. I didn't understand anything. Pretty good little slugger, baby. Nick. You took so much trouble to unlock the door, you should have taken a little time to lock it again after you. Don't come after me with that knife. Please, don't. <laughs> I don't want to die. You think I did? Why don't you give me another chance, What Nicky? chance did you give me? <laughs> wow. I didn't think you had that in you. Well, why doesn't somebody come, huh? Maybe it's because there isn't anybody besides us. Cozy, huh? Uh... Try it again. Go ahead. Try it on again. Maybe you'll have better luck. He was leaning against the door halfway down the hall, just leaning there and watching me because he knew he had me cornered. But I wasn't cornered. I turned and I ran the other way around the corner and down another hall. I didn't know if I really heard him running after me or if it was just the pounding in my head making a noise. I got to the end of the hall. Then I stopped out of breath and looked behind. He wasn't there. No sign of him. Sucked in my breath so even that didn't make any sound. And I listened. I listened to nothing at all because it was so quiet. It was so awful quiet I could hear it. The wall I leaned against was big and flat and gray. And the corners jutted out under the, into the hall like dead fingers. I looked to the right side of me, down the corridor. Like he wasn't there. So I turned my head... I looked up the hall, almost hoping in a way I'd see him and get it over with instead of this weight. I wasn't there either. I tried to squeeze myself, my shoulder blades, into the wall so I could hide. But it was hard and cold. It wouldn't move. Nicky! Nicky! Nicky, where are you? For the love of heaven, say something so I'll know where you are. Don't just keep standing here. I can't take it. Nicky. Nicky, I'm sick. My stomach's sick. So am I. Just, just make some noise. Nicky, where are you? I found myself back at the elevator again. I knew he was around somewhere. Around one of those corners that were jutting out like dead fingers waiting. The elevator was coming up again. The hand was up to 11. I had to stop. I pressed the button, threw all my weight against it. And it did. It did. The big door was sliding open, and I was safe. Going up or down, Kitty Owen? I'll take you wherever you want to go. Okay. Oh, not again. I can't stand. I'll take you for a ride. No, I won't go. But didn't you ring me? I heard you ring. Come on. Get in. Just the two of us. We'll go for a ride. Only just one of us will come back. I said, get in. All the time he was talking, I was backing away. I was backing away. And then all of a sudden, I saw a door with a bright red sign that said, Stairway Down. My last chance, I almost leaped to it. I opened the door and I flew down the stairs. It wasn't easy with high heels, but even so, the sound of them was like music. Sweet, hot music from a clarinet, because I knew they were taking me down. Faster, faster, 
time. I caught myself by clinging to the banister. <laughs> I was still there. So I kept running. Suddenly, there I was. I was out on the street again. Now I was really safe. There were always a lot of people on the streets. I didn't see any people, just a big policeman with a red face. Boy, he sure looked good to me. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Oh, now, now, Tate, easy, miss. Don't get excited. Hey, look, Nicky Carstairs, he's in that hotel. He's after me. Carstairs? Yeah. Sure, and who are you wanting to kid? It can't be. Look, he's out, I tell you. I saw him, he wants to kill me. But Nicky Carstairs is in the death cell. Don't you read the papers? Hey, I'll have you reported. What kind of a cop are you anyway? What kind of a woman are you without a heart? Just arms and legs stuck together with nothing to make them go. You're not a policeman. You're Nicky. You're still Nicky. You didn't look like Nicky a second ago. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. What's the get up? How do I look? Nicky, please, no, not anymore. I told you we were playing cops and robbers, and this time I'm the cop. And I'm still going to kill you, Kitty Owen. It wasn't over yet. I had to run again. My last stronghold. My last hope, the hotel lobby. If there was no one there, I'd just give up. I was through. As I ran around the corner, I thought the war had ended all over again because there was confetti coming out of all the windows. So much of it fallen. The sidewalks were beginning to look like it had been snowing for a long time. I ran over them like a carpet. I ran with my eyes down and I could see the headlights. Nicky, Carstairs, in death house, prison, No one had to tell me this. I ran into the lobby to find people, to tell them where he was. There was no one there either. Only Joe at the desk. Joe? Come early the night, Miss Owen. Not quite midnight. Look, Joe, I know you don't like me, but you gotta help me. Reading the papers about Nikki Carstairs breaking out? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Five thousand dollars should last you a little while if you take care of it. Hey, Joe, he's here. He's in the hotel. He's chasing me. That's a lot of money. Five thousand dollars. What's to kill me? You gotta help me. Sweet dreams, he's, Miss Owen. He's here. Can't you understand? He's on the thirteenth floor. There's no thirteenth floor in he, this building. He's there. I tell you. He's... Sweet dreams, Miss Owen. I know there wasn't any use to arguing, and he wouldn't believe me. Even if he did, he wouldn't help me because he didn't like me. Going up. No one would believe me. There was only one thing left for me to do: lock myself in my room on the fourteenth floor, stay there until they caught Nicky. I leaned against the back of the car, crouched in a corner. My eyes closed because I was so tired. I was so tired. Just thinking of a bed, a big white bed, three white sheets to crawl between, and a door that was locked. Sorry to have to bother you about that passkey, Tommy. <laughs> I just forgot to pick mine up at the desk. Just like a glass of cold water that had been thrown on top of me. I opened my eyes. That Talbot guy was in the car again. No. Not again. Still. And he was talking about the pass key the way he had before. No, not before either. Because when I looked at my watch, 
it was still midnight. Then I suddenly knew I was so weak with relief I wanted to cry. Yeah, I heard him say it. Sometimes you can see your whole life pass by in just a second. That lifetime I lived in the elevator, all in my head, was sandwiched in between a couple of floors. It never really happened. It was just that I had been dreading for months coming back some night, finding Mickey there waiting for me. My mind had invented a 13th floor, when it never was there at all. And the cop and the newspapers that said Mickey was out. All part of it. That crazy half-dream. Of course he wasn't out. I told myself it was all part of it. I never got out of the elevator. I was there all the time. All the time. Your floor, Miss Owen. Fourteen? Sure, fourteen. Ain't that your floor? You're sure this time, aren't you? What are you talking about, this time? I mean... Never mind. Fourteen oh one. That was on the first door. I was on the right floor this time. I was... I'm feeling better already. What a fool I've been. Started to walk down the hall. I had a feeling Talbot and the boy in the elevator was watching me. Wish they shut the door and go on. Say, Mr. Talbot. Yes? Did you read about Nicky Carstairs? No, what? He escaped. Got out of the death house. Is that so? He's on the loose. Good night, Miss Owen. <laughs> Hotel corridors scare me. They're too long and too creepy. I'm always afraid the walls, like big flat plaster hands, are going to close in. Now I know it was more than just dreading it for weeks. Made me imagine. Nicky was out and after me. Must have known it all along. Had a feeling I wasn't safe. go to my own room. I'll lock the door and hide under the covers till I hear they found him. Took him back. Till I hear he's dead, I won't have to be afraid anymore. Not anymore. Give Nikki a kiss, baby. Aren't you glad to see me? The 14th floor this time A floor that does exist But the hands of the watch on Kitty's wrist Still stand at 12 for Murder At Strike 12 for murder at 
Kitty was played by Ann Shepard, and Paul Mann was Nicky. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader. against us. Very few of us will return to the settlements. Hark to their savage yells. Aye, but they are further distant now. Come on. Now watch out for those branches. There's a clearing in these oaks. Why, look at that great rock. Its smooth surface must be 15 feet high, like a granite palisade. More like a gigantic gravestone. Reuben, my boy, I can go no further now. Put me down. You are badly wounded yourself, so rest a while and gain strength, for there are miles of howling wilderness between us and the settlement. We ought to press on, sir, for we must win through. I, for one, mean to do so. If the smoke of my own chimney were on the other side of that hill yonder, it would do me no good. The Indian bullet was deadlier than I thought. Oh, nonsense. An old hunter like you doesn't give up. Now, come along. No, lad, no. There's not two days' life in me. I shall not burden you much longer with my useless body. When I die, you can bury me here and mark my name, Roger Malvin, on this granite headstone. Wait, wait. I have an idea. There were other fugitives from the fight. They must have carried the news to the settlements, and by this time, parties will be out searching for survivors like us. Yes, there was one dirty coward who ran away in the beginning of the fight. 
He most probably made good speed home. Every man on the frontier will shoulder his musket at the news and set out on rescue parties. You give me courage, lad. One of them may find us here at any time. Oh, not us, sir. Not here. For I mean to go in search of rescue. He travels best who travels alone. Reuben, you're not going to leave me here wounded and alone. The Indians will scalp me. Well, the Indians are far off by now. But there are wild beasts in these mountains. You have your hunting knife. I shall die of thirst. Here is my powder horn now filled with water. I'll leave it with you. I have loved you like a father, Reuben Bourne. And you would desert me in this trackless wilderness. Leave me as food for the buzzards. And what about Dorcas, my dear daughter, whom you profess to love? Will you dare meet her eye? She will ask the fate of a father whose life you promised to defend with oh, your own. Wait, wait, old man. I would give you my life if its sacrifice would do any good. It is the fever that makes you rave so. Listen to me. I'm going for help. I shall return and with the rescue party. There's no hope for either of us if I stay here with you. And Dorcas would be desolate indeed if neither of us returned. Forgive me, boy. I was thinking only of myself. But you will come back. Of course, of course. See, here are roots and berries that I've gathered, and here is the water. Now I'll mark this place if I can just climb the rock and bend down this young oak. There is just such a sapling growing at my front door at home. Remember? I Yes, they are alike. While you are gone, I shall pray to see my own home again. Well, it's done. I've bent it down. Now on the topmost branch, I'll bind my kerchief and by my blood that stains it, I vow to do my best to save you. But, Reuben, you may not meet a rescue party until it is too late for me, and the Indians war on the dead as well as on the living, so swear to return. When you are strong again, return to this wild rock and lay my bones in a grave and say a prayer over them. Oh, I do, I do. I most solemnly swear to return and... If it's too late, see that Roger Malvin has a proper Christian burial. It is enough. God speed you. Reuben. I... Reuben. What is it? Before you go, raise me. Let me lean against the rock. My face will be turned towards home. And I shall see you a moment longer as you disappear in the forest. There. I swept together a bed of these dry leaves. Is that comfortable? Then farewell, sir, till we meet again. One last hand clasp, Reuben. Now go and go quickly. We followed this stream far enough. Doubles Lake is to the northwest. Come on. Uh, this is a frightful neck of woods for any wounded to be lost in. I fear there'll be mighty few of our rangers surviving. They were ambushed. Our men broke the strength of the tribe, though. We'll hear no more of the Redskins for a while. So I trust. Well, the woods are getting dark. Going to rain, I calculate. I'm so weak. I keep falling. I must get up. I... Get up. I'm lost. There's no sun, only this rain. It's so dark. I don't know which way to go. No food. I'll die here. I'll die too, but I'm young and I want to live. 
Both of us will die alone in this awful solitude. Roger Melvin and I. The buzzards will pluck at our flesh. He said so. He... Ghastly features of death are grinning at me back of every tree. I said I'd go back to him. I can't go back. I, I won't go back. Anyway, he's dead by now. I, that's it. He's, he's dead and I... I buried him. I'll tell them that I buried him. Who's to know? But I won't go back. I won't go back. Doctor. Yes? Over there in the ground. It's a ranger. What? Why, why it's young Reuben Bourne. He went out from the settlement with Roger Malvin, didn't he? He's lost a lot of blood. Reuben, uh, it's Dr. Wentworth. Are there any other survivors? Where is Roger Melvin? Uh, Melvin, he's back there. Oh, come on. We must go and find him. No! It's no use. He, he's dead. It's no use. I tell you, he's dead. He's dead. He's... Oh, poor lad. He's fainted. Uh, uh, we must carry him. Yes, yes. Now, be careful. Help me pick him up. Help me. All right. We get him back to the settlement. Will he live, Doctor? Well, I hope so. Yes, I think he'll live. Why, Ruth, good morning. I hear they've brought Reuben back here. Yes, last evening. Wasn't it wonderful? But but he's very sick. It's a great task for you, Dorcas, to nurse him back to health. It's my privilege. Has he said anything about my Silas? Or about any of the other men? No. No, not even a word about my father. Oh, Dorcas, I'm so afraid. Don't worry. The search parties are still bringing in many of the wounded. But not my good man. Oh, why did we ever come to the frontier? I'm not fit to be a settlement wife. I can only think of Silas in captivity or in death. Now, Ruth, you mustn't talk so. When Reuben is better, he will have news. Is he still out of his head? Yes. He raves about wild beasts. He must mean the Indians. I suppose so. Oh, Ruth, I must go to him. Can't I help? Reuben, uh, what is it, Reuben? I'm here. Why I'll get some well water to bathe his head. And drive off those buzzards. There are no buzzards, Reuben, dear. Foxes. Red foxes. I'm oh, thirsty. I'll, I'll die of thirst. No, Reuben, you won't die of thirst. Here's some water. You're safe now with me. With Dorcas Malvin. Mel. Mel. Scalp the dead. No, no. Reuben. Reuben. Dorcas, my child, these two weeks since we brought Reuben home have been very difficult for you. But I think I've won my battle, Dr. Wentworth. He's been sleeping quietly like this lately. No more of those horrible nightmares. None. Good. Well, his wounds are nearly healed now. Your Reuben will get well. Oh, Doctor, I'm so thankful. Look, Dorcas, he's awake. Dorcas. Reuben. Oh, at last you know me. I can see it in your eyes. Oh, Reuben. Where am I? You're at the farm, and Dr. Wentworth and I are taking care of you. How long is it 
since the fight at Lovell's Pond. And the fight was early in May, my boy. And it's now the 20th. My father, Reuben. What of my father? Roger Melvin was badly wounded, Dorcas. He told me not to burden myself with him, but naturally I would not leave him. I, I helped him all I could, and for three days we struggled homeward together. Oh, Reuben. You gave him your strength, and you were wounded and bleeding yourself. And at sunrise the fourth day, I saw that his life was fast ebbing away. He died. I marked the place where I... where I buried him. With your poor, weak hands, you dug a grave for my father. I did what I could. I... There is a noble tombstone above his head. Oh, I would to heaven I slept as soundly as he. Well, there's no need to thank me, Reuben lad, for letting you visit me these few weeks. Your health is much better now. But now, let's not dwell on these past tragedies, Reuben. You have your own life to live, and a mighty life it'll be when you're married to our sweet Dorcas. And you approve of her choice. With all my heart. And I know that this marriage was the great wish of my old friend, Roger Melvin. I'm not sure of that. What have I to offer, Dorcas, except my love? Your stout heart and strong shoulders will be badly needed on the farm. Roger's properties are about the largest and most prosperous in the colony. You two can work out a marvelous future. There he is, Ruth, sitting out in the sun with Dr. Wentworth, my husband-to-be. Oh, he's so handsome, and he looks so well. He is well. Aren't you, Reuben, dear? Oh, Dorcas, my sweet. Oh, come and join us, girls. Hello, Mistress Ruth and Dorcas. <laughs> You're a picture to the eye. Oh, Doctor. We were just saying how healthy you look, Reuben. Well, how can I help it? How can I help but be well after the wonderful nursing that Dorcas gave me? But you've been through so much, wounded and exhausted... Why, you dug a grave Ruth, and he... please. No more of that. Well, everyone says it was so good of you to risk your own life to save Mr. Melvin from dying alone and unburied. Will you stop? Oh, oh Reuben. Now, he's a young fellow. Oh, I know that these memories distress you, but take it easy. Come, Mistress Ruth. I think that you and I can leave this future bride and groom alone, eh? Oh, yes, Doctor. He certainly is modest about his bravery. Ruth didn't mean to annoy you, Reuben. Dear one, I'm, I'm sorry I grew angry, but I hate to talk of your father. I don't quite understand why, Reuben, but I shall try to remember. Let me see you smile. <laughs> That's it. Are you excited about the wedding? Oh, it's so wonderful. Two days from now, I'll be your wife, Dorcas Bourne. Or better still, Mistress Reuben Bourne. Oh, Dorcas. She is with Dr. Wentworth. Oh, yes, she looks lovely. And so happy. Oh, there's Reuben. He's taken her hand. Shh, shh. Elder Perkins is starting the service. Reuben Bourne, do you take this woman, Dorcas Malvin, to be your wedded wife? I do. Do you solemnly swear to love and to cherish her, honor and keep her, in sickness and in health? Reuben Bourne. Reuben Bourne, do you solemnly swear? Solemnly swear. Who spoke? Reuben, what is it? What's happened? He's white as death. I'm waiting, my son. Do you swear? Reuben Bourne, you made me a sacred promise. Can you keep this vow? Reuben, Reuben, please answer. I... I do. I... I do solemnly swear. Oh. 
No, Dr. Wentworth, I cannot intercede again for Reuben Bourne. My conscience will not allow it. When all these years he has broken every law of the governor's council. Yes, I know that every man's hand is against him, Elder. What possesses him to behave as he does? Some evil spirit. Ever since the day I married him to Dorcas Malvin, he has been as a man possessed. Oh, no, Elder Perkins. Reuben is not possessed. He was badly wounded. That was 18 years ago, Ruth Whitman. I think Ruth is right, Elder. He's still a sick man. His soul is sick. He has squandered his heritage, neglected his land. I'll admit that his farm is hopelessly run down. It yields less and less every year. And now this dreadful fine, 200 pounds. It will ruin them. They'll lose the farm. He should have thought of that when he refused to give his trees for the masting of the king's ships. Reuben Bourne has brought this just punishment upon himself. There's nothing I can do. In pity's name, Elder, what of Dorcas and that fine boy of theirs? Cyrus Bourne is 17 now, with all his life before him. He should be given another chance. I'm sorry, Doctor. I cannot intercede another time for Reuben Bourne. You understand, I'm sure. I bid you both good day. Good day, Elder. Good day, Elder. Oh, Dr. Wentworth, I can't bear to have Dorcas know it'll break her heart. And I don't relish the task of telling young Silas. He's in there in my library, waiting to hear the news. I shall have to call him. No need, sir. I couldn't help overhearing. Well, I guess old Stony Heart is within his rights. Father is a bit high-handed in his dealings. You are a good lad, Cyrus, to take it with a smile. You know, you remind me of your father when he was your age. My father? Smiling? Yes, yes, he was always happy and cheerful until he came back from that expedition against the Indians. I think Cyrus is more like Roger Melvin. That's what Mother says, Mistress Whitman. She loves to talk about Grandfather. Ever since I was a baby, she's told me the story of his death. And how brave father was to stay with him and bury him and all that. We call it our secret because we never dare speak of it to father. He never mentions your grandfather, does he, Cyrus? No, sir. And if anyone else does, he flies into a rage and shuts himself in his room. Battling with some demon of his imagination. I never understood it. It's very frightening sometimes, sir. I remember so well one day when I was six or seven years old. What happened, Cyrus? I was playing on the rocks near the porch of our house. Mother was churning. I remember having fallen, cutting my arm pretty badly. Cyrus, darling, come here to Mother. Oh, why, that is a pretty big cut. Here, let me tie it up with Mother's kerchief. Now, there. That will stop the bleeding. You're a brave boy not to cry. My father didn't cry when he fought the Indians. No, little son, he didn't. See, Mother, I got blood all on me just like he had. I'm going to pretend I'm big and brave like Father was. Yes, dear. And can I dig a great big grave? Oh, Cyrus, I don't think you... Right by this little sapling? Well, if you do not hurt it, it was your grandfather's favorite tree. And I'll find a stone, a great big stone. Funny boy. What a strange game for him to play. Marcus! Marcus, where are you? Here in front of the house, dear, watching Cyrus. Oh, Reuben, did you sell the grain? The fools find me 50 pine tree shillings for overcharging. Oh, Reuben, dear, you overcharged them again. 
I begged you not to. Father! Father, see? My hand's got all blood on, just like yours did. What, Cyrus? What's that? What are you doing? Digging Grandfather's grave. Oh, by heaven. Under the sapling, see? Come see, Father. Come see. My own son taunting me. Where's my axe? Don't hurt the boy, Reuben. Cyrus, come here. Out of my way, boy. The sapling will stand no longer. Reuben, no. Oh, beautiful young oak tree. Reuben, stop. Father's tree. Last father's tree. This was an end to it. Yes, Reuben Bourne. You destroy this sapling. But try as you will, you can never destroy your memories. Mother, I'm scared. Look at Father. What's he staring at? I don't know, little son. I don't know. I remember when your grandfather planted that young oak. That's an unbelievable story, Cyrus. No wonder it's haunted you. Father is queer, but don't forget we've had a lot of fun together. Hunting and fishing and such things. But I'd better stop talking so much and ride on home to tell the news. Mother will be terribly unhappy. Not while she has you, Cyrus. You're a fine boy. Mistress Whitman, I think you're prejudiced. But thank you just the same. Goodbye to you both. Carry my love to Dorcas. Goodbye. Goodbye, boy. God bless you. Whoa, Brownie. Whoa. Here we are, boy. What news? Cyrus, what news? And what did the great governor's council say? No hope, Father. We have to pay the hundred pounds or give up the farm. Well, I'll not pay it. I can have this place. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of them all. Bigoted, narrow mind. What do we do, Reuben? We'll go into the wilderness and make a new home. Mother, dear, we'll build you a fine new house, won't we, Father? Yes, son. A house of my own. We'll only take what the horse can carry. As for the rest, the council can have it and welcome. Good riddance to the Malvern farm, say I. Father, for the last two days, we've not been following the Blaze Trail. I know where we're going, Cyrus. Yes, sir, but I mean the new grants lie due west. I know they do. I can show you the trail. You're a good woodsman, son, but I shall show you the way. I know where we're going. But when we're heading too far... In... Enough! Do you object? No. Our journey will be longer and more exciting this way. Look, Reuben. Wouldn't this be a good place to make camp? By this stream. And see, that fallen log can be our dining table. Aye, I think you're right, Dorcas. And there's plenty of dry wood for our fire. Well, I'll gather the wood. You two had better hunt some game for our supper. I'll bring you some partridge and wild turkey and maybe a deer. <laughs> My brave young hunter. But don't go too far from camp. Coming, Father? Aye, son. Reuben, wait just a minute. Aye, what is it? I wonder if you remember that this is the 12th of May. And what if it is? You don't remember. Eighteen years ago on this day and somewhere in this very forest, you... You buried my father. Well, this is too much. I don't mean to vex you, Reuben. But this wilderness brings back memories that for some reason you will never talk about. Dorcas, for the last time, will you 
please stop talking of your father and of his death. Yes, of course, Reuben. But I did so hope you remembered. Come back as soon as you can, and good hunting, Reuben. Now, where did I leave you? I'm sure I'd know that great rock. I must find it. Where am I? Ah, there's the sunset on my left. I'm heading north, all right. I'm sure the rock is nearby. Is that a grove of oaks ahead? Yes, it is, and there were oak trees where I left him. This must be the way. I will find the place, and when I do, I shall take up his bones and finally give them burial. And at last, I may have peace in my heart. Wait, the sunlight shining on a mass of granite rising above the trees. It's the rock. Yes, it is. I found the rock. Yes, Reuben Vaughn. You found the rock. All these long years, my bones have lain on the cold, hard ground. They're only covering the rotting leaves. And now you've dared to come back. Yes, Roger Malvin. I've dared to come back to right the wrong I did you and... Find rest for my tortured soul. You are too late, Reuben Bourne. There can be no happiness. It's never too late to make amends. You are too late, Reuben Bourne. There can be no happiness. But I've come back, Roger. I've promised to come back. Too late. Too late. Reuben Bourne is too late. Silence! Silence, old man. The whole forest will hear. You are too late. Too late. Silence, I say. Silence, I'll stand no more. Why, that is a human cry. Oh, what have I done? Oh, what have I done? Oh, good heaven. Reuben? Reuben? I heard a cry. Where are you, Reuben? Reuben? Reuben, what's happened? Speak to me, Reuben. Speak to me. What are you staring at? Look. Sorry. <gasps> yes, Marcus. <laughs> I have killed our son. From the time-worn pages of the past, we have brought you the immortal tale... The Burial of Roger Malvin. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. We have heard another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. Be here in this lonely cave by the restless sea once again next time for another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Thank God for the 24-hour maintenance man.
Anyway, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, hey, even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube page, Terror Radio. Check it out. Subscribe. Share and like the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. the Radio Show Nerd, who is now sitting in front of his air conditioner, extremely happy, signing off.